Cooking with Chopsticks. The truth about dictatorships. A podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chang. Hello, Li Wen in Berlin. How are you doing? Hello, Marcel. I'm fine. Berlin is very sunny. Well, today, actually, I want you to, to tell uh, our audience what are we talking about today. Let's talk about the recent development in China involving its feminism movement online. All right. It's a very, very interesting topic that I have never mentioned in our podcast. That's true. Actually, in our very first episode, I introduced you as a, as a feminist. Yeah, go ahead, please. For most of the international audience, I think China's feminism is probably not so familiar topic because they have been very low profile and they are mostly happening online because there's no space for you to go demonstrate naked on the street <laughs> like you yeah. know our Western counterpart normally do. Freedom of assembly. No freedom of assembly. No freedom of assembly, no freedom of publication, and etc. So everything is pretty peaceful. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is that there is a wakening up of feminism, like women's right from the grassroots in the past years, a more outspoken voice gathering in Chinese social media. Before you go ahead, you know, I remember this guy, this was a scholar. He was just, it's just two weeks ago. You saying, you saying that, um, that feminism actually picks up in China and the great awareness apparently starts. And then there was this guy, like, I don't know, maybe four weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago, a scholar who actually uh, proposed that women should go back to countryside to marry leftover men <laughs> because we have this imbalance in birth ratio. That means we have much more men than we have women. Uh, of 20% more men in certain generations than you have women. So they don't, they don't find someone to marry. So this guy yeah. says, so uh, ladies from China, not yet married between 25 and 40 or whatever, please go back to your villages from your sophisticated jobs and apartments in Shanghai, Beijing and elsewhere and marry countryside guys. Let me give you the background. So the background is that in the past years, it's coincided with the Me Too movement in the U.S., this round of Me Too movement, three years ago, gaining incredible momentum in every aspect from young women scholars who study in the U.S. and Europe to young people who are working in the city or even immigrant workers. All these voices are gathering because... Chinese women's situation is worsening very, very fast. Worsening since when? When I look back to the figure, I realized in 2008, in the World Economic Forum's gender equality ranking of the world, China was ranked the 57th, which, not too bad, is it? which was the highest position, I think, at that time yeah. uh, that China has reached. Ever since 2008, it dropped all the way down. Every year it's dropping. Now China is on the 107 in the world. Wow. Out of how many countries? I think it's 156. It's a big drop. How is that possible? Two problems. First problem is that China's capital market, the, the job market, have no, basically no, not much protection for women. 
you know that very often you have to work over time without payment. So many of the women, when they have children, they cannot、yeah. afford to stay too long in the office for their job, and gradually they are marginalized. And the government relaxed the one-child policy, actually already starting from two thousand and eight. So more and more women, under the pressure of the family to have a son, which is a big issue, a great deal in China to have a son for your husband's family. Well, especially especially in countryside, right? No,、Or、no, no.、Even? Actually, also in the city, you would be so surprised that also in the city, how important the sons. Ah, why is that so important? Sorry, because because in countryside, I always understood like, oh, a son is important to make the money for a living because there's less opportunities for women in countryside apparently because it's basically it's it's physical work in cities now. The opportunities, girls can go to school, they can find jobs in in new industries, in service sectors and stuff.、Uh, so why people in cities also prefer sons? Because of the culture. First of all, it's the cultural tradition. All right. With China's cultural tradition, the core of it has never been shaken in many ways. That parents are still the authority in the family. Children follow the surname of the father. That is actually a very, very underestimated tradition, which leads to the more importance of the son, because he will pass on the family name, which the Asian families care a lot about. And the third reason is that, of course, the gender gap in the country, especially when it comes to power, women are rarely on the top power position, whatever institution they are in. The highest they can reach is the like vice or deputy position, but even then. Basically, when you reach certain level, the glass ceiling is very hard to smash. And if you look at the current leadership in China, they are all male. The standing committee has no women. Did it ever happen?、So, no, no. There, there was never a woman in the standing committee, right? Never. So the Chinese women, on one hand, they have a high job participation and educational rate because they are really, really hardworking. They show their more responsibility in the family than the male because they normally are the ones to support, even、mm-hmm. financially. Their brothers in the poor families, especially in the rural families. If the family decide to send one kid to further education, then it's always the boys. So girls would normally drop school at very early age to work、mm-hmm. to provide money for the family. The, the urban citizens, the 1980s generation, is very lucky. I mean, not their mothers are not lucky because their mothers suffered from the one-child policy. Many of them were forced abortion when they tried to have the second child, but. This gave an unexpected boost in the women's、uh, status in the city because once you have a single girl, then you have to let her go to school, right? You're gonna give all the resources you have to this only child, and so this generation is now the main force of the feminism movement online. So they were given the chances that no woman was ever given in the previous generations. Because they were the only one to invest the future. However, this changed very quickly when the government loosened the one-child policy, and now we have the figure from the the last national census. The first child, the gender ratio is one hundred thirteen to one hundred. 
because normally the ratio should be 105 maximum to 100. That means we have uh, 13 more. Normal ratio is 105 to 100. And in China, the first child ratio is 113. 100. Ah, 113. Yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the second child, 130 to 100. So obviously there's a gender selection here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 130 to, to 100? 100, yes. So now you have probably 25 girls aborted. Fetus, female fetus aborted on the second because they want to have the son for the second child. But isn't normally. it forbidden in China do, to do the, the, the gender ultra-waving to, to identify the gender? Yeah, it is forbidden. You know, we were foreigners. My wife gave birth to, uh, to two kids in China. She's, she's German, she's not Chinese. So um, we as foreigners were not included into that policy. But I knew that uh, Chinese friends told us, if you want to get this kind of prediction, you get it, right? You just need to find the right person and pay the right money for it and you get what you want. Is that true? It is China. There are many, many different ways. What, from what I learned is that, for example, the, the rich people, they would send the blood sample of the pregnant women to Hong Kong. They are, in Hong Kong, there are clinics who do that. Simply from your blood, they can... Is that true? Yeah, they can identify your fetus uh, sex. Yeah, because oh. of the hormone. Uh, the, okay. the saddest news I heard were from seven or eight years ago. There was a young schoolgirl who was traveling across the custom between Hong Kong and mainland and Shenzhen, which is uh, normal, you know, between Shenzhen and Hong Kong, there are many the travelers every day. And this schoolgirl was carrying a backpack that is too much, too big for her age. Mm -hmm. So she caused the, the suspicion. And the custom official opened her bag and it was, I don't know how many, like more than a hundred blood samples of pregnant women. She was bringing them to Hong Kong to get them, you know, tested. And so the, the, this is an image that, that reflects this position of women in China. They are forced to be the donkey to carry blood samples to be tested so that their sisters could be aborted. And that is leading to an even more mm. terrible gender racial gap in the third child, even in Beijing. Mm. The gender racial gap in the third child is 161 to 100. Wow. And guess how much in Beijing it is, the difference? Well, if you ask so, 200 to 100? 260 to 100. Oh, wow. In oh, Beijing. Okay, Beijing. Okay, but, but is, first, first yeah. why, why yeah. is there people in, in, in Beijing who can have three kids? Because it's limited to two right now, actually. No, no, it has been, the one-child policy has been abandoned in 2016 completely. It's important to stress this, that it abandoned. Before that, it has been loosening. 2016, they abandoned the limitation on how many children you have. Women's working condition has worsened. But that means so, just to get the figures clear for me and the audience, that means... While the first child, people are not that picky, right? I mean, less picky, 113 to 105. And then when they have a girl, they decide, oh, the second one must, must be a boy, right? So uh, yeah. it brings up to 130 to 105. Yeah. So we have much more men. And then the third one, we take no chance at all. This is why we have a ratio of 260, 65, what, is this, what you said, to 260. 160 to... to I mean, that means 
for the future we have even more young men and even less young women. It's very scary because you know that crime rates rate with every percent of men more than women. Yeah. Unfortunately, this yeah. is how the society is like. Yeah. If you don't like migrants coming to your country, okay, up to you. If they bring their family, naturally they will calm down. I think the, the likelihood of, of young men turning aggressive or turning criminal uh, is less given when they have family with them. It doesn't have any relation with the eth ethnic, it's just a, a probably a very um, human characteristic, right? As long as young men are not uh, incorporated or embodied in their family structure, they might statistically be more prone to, to become criminal or, or aggressive. It's very, you know, when I listen to, to this argument, as a feminist, uh, what I feel is anger. Because either way, women is the victim. You know, if a guy is violent when he has no women, that means he, he tends to use violence to women. To women, yeah. yeah. This is oh, very, also, of course. Yeah. Think, yeah. You know, this is the same thinking that Chinese government is having. And this is why this give me the creeps, this uh, argument of uh, having women to pacify men. So when Xi Jinping was in power in 2012, he quickly showed his intention to re-establish family tradition, family value in China. Uh, the state council again and again issuing documents talking about reviving the glorious tradition of China. The so-called glorious tradition consists of a strictly patriarchal family where the, the father is, you know, the dominant pillar economically and authority-wise, and the women are the supporting role in the family. The children are supposed to be in the bottom, but if they are sons, they will sooner or later get the power. But the children actually get very poor protection from such a family, so that's why China has no... In Germany, you have this children's bureau, Right, children's office, to protect children who are abused. And in China, you don't have that. Domestic violence is so severe in China. You have now the statistics, like the women who suffer from domestic violence actually is more than half. And for the children, it's still rather secret because beating up, first of all, beating up your wife is still not uh, anything that is, you know... Uh, not punishable. Yeah, the police, although we have anti-domestic violence law, but the implementation is very poor because the police are men. They well, you know, to that. put it cynically, you could say, wait, don't meddle in Chinese domestic affairs, right? This is what's on, uh, their, yeah, yeah. on their foreign policy. Oh, it's very law. consistent. It's actually yeah. the same logic. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. So it's my family. I am the father. I beat up my wife and children. You know, you don't get to interfere. Xi Jinping in 2013 gave a talk to the Women's Association, which is a government association, deal with the women's issue. Xi Jinping said, we should promote women's unique role in promoting the Chinese family's virtue and establish a good family order of family culture. So women in China should take the initiative to show the responsibility of respecting the old and caring for the young, educating the children. So that basically means Xi Jinping has a very clear goal from the very beginning to put women back into the family. We are talking about Handmaid's Tale here, a Chinese version. It's not only for giving birth, 
but also to play the caring role, the free labor for the family. We don't normally calculate like how much labor cost it is. Actually, women are contributing to the economy because in capitalism, nature and household work are disregard in the evaluation system. So that's why we have now environmental crisis and the declining population because want to have two women don't want to have children anymore. Yeah, you're working for free, 24 hours. To clarify something, when we're saying that we have a, a ratio with a second child and even higher ratio between boys and girls with a third child, it sounds like there is a tendency in China that all the families, all the couples, like or a lot of couples have like two and three children. But this is basically not not happening, right? It's still a very or a minuscule part of the society of families who have second and even third children, right? So basically, there is a there's a tendency in China that even after abandoning of one child policy, uh, that a lot of families say, "Sorry, I we don't want a second one. We we can't afford it, time wise, money wise. Uh, we're we're done with one. The pressure is so high. Pay off their." Their, their loans they've taken to buy an apartment um, in an outskirt of Beijing or outskirt of Suzhou or Nanjing or whatever. High rising prices. Grandparents are mostly um, uh, not able to take care of, uh, than more than one of, uh, of, of more than one child. And, and so people decide that uh, one child is enough. It's simply unaffordable time-wise and money-wise. And also the pandemic hit it even harder Last year, the number of children born in the whole China was at the lowest point ever since the famine in the 1960-61. Wow, this is the Great Famine. Uh, that was like 40 million people died, up to 40 million people because of starvation, right? When Mao Zedong actually was planning to, to boost Chinese economy with uh, producing steel all over and um, ended yeah. in a disaster, in a, in a total yeah. disaster. The so, Great Leap, yeah. The Great Leap forward, yeah. Although it was a Great Leap in disaster, to be honest. Yeah, yeah of course, back then there was no, there was, uh, the, the birth ratio was pretty low because people were probably scared, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine how much, how, how what is the consequences of, of that for, for the economy, for China? The, that I is mean, why the government is so nervous. I think that is why they are forcing women to have children now. And that is why the feminist rebounds at the moment. You know, the, the thing is that China has always benefited from a cheap labor model. Yeah. But now there are two crises. The one crisis is that the laborers are not cheap anymore. So well, they are they, rising. If they are from Xinjiang, they are even for free, right? Sorry to be cynical. <laughs> but at that yeah, point. sorry. China is rising into middle income country. So the labor is not cheap anymore. Another thing is that the women don't want to have children anymore because it's just too much work. And not only they need to have a job because single income family in China cannot live very well. They also have to take care of most of the housework when they go home to take care of the kids because Chinese men are not educated to share housework equally. So averagely, even from the good figure, you can see that it's two to four hours more than men every day at home. How many women can stand that when they get good education, when they have the choice? They simply say, I don't want any children. So China now have a huge demographic problem and unsustainable cheap labor model. 
very interesting to, to see what's going to happen the next 20 or 30 years. There's no country in the world that ages as quick as China, actually. The Japanese are, were close to that, I think, but, but what's, what's ahead for the Chinese uh, society is also, uh, there's no precedent for that, right? Uh, there's the, no precedent for that. It's the biggest nation in the world, population-wise. And also, it's not Japan, it's not Europe, it's China. In China, everybody rely on their children for their old age. When you get old and we need care, it's all about your children taking care of you. Right. But if there's no children, there's no no one to take care of you. That is one thing, which is the smaller problem, because the government don't care. If you're old people, you die, you die. But the more difficult thing is that who is going to pay for the pension of the civil servant? So when we talk about women's rights nowadays, it's at the core, at the forefront of China's future, of Chinese economy, also of China's stability. So why women rebel? Because they are quickly being forced out of job market. Many young women came to me and told me that by the time they graduate, even an excellent student from top-tier university as a girl don't get the chance of a job compared to a young men who are graduate from a third-tier university. So you're saying basically that, that these women are blocked from the job market because someone, what any forces is, wants them to stay at home and give birth children. Yeah, there is a policy leaning towards that. In, of course, in China, you have a paid leave, birth leave of three months, but the government doesn't pay that money. Companies pay it. And companies don't want to pay that. And not to say if you abandon the one-child policy, that means one woman can repeatedly have several birth leave. They have no time for the job because, you know, they have to care for the children. There is no the kind of care center for children in the communist time, which was a great boost to women's rights at that time. My mother used to work for one of these care centers for babies. It really relieved the women of the burden because men would never stay at home to take care of the children relieved the burden from the women. And so the job participation was very high. And now you see that that women are forced more or less by their family to have children because the the family concept in China is that you have to have children, otherwise you are done. Your life is not worth it. And so they would have at least one or now more and more because they have to have a son. If you don't have a son at the first child, you have to have the second because you need a son. Otherwise, your, your husband will uh, abandon you. But is, this, is the, government, the, the government's policy, has this been changed recently? Or has this always been like this, that, that the companies need to pay that maternity leave? It has always been like this. There is no sign that, ch- that China will learn from Europe to, first of all, force the men also to take birth leave or to sponsor the company. There's no such thing. So... Companies are avoiding that. Government also. So what you what you basically say is because there's so less governmental support for for women's career, they literally force women to stay at home. Or this is this is also what they intend to. Or is it just a collateral? Collateral damage has been the previous. I mean, before Xi Jinping came into power and formally announced that women should go back to the family should care for the family. Women have the main responsibility of building up the family. I think at the moment, the government is deliberately nudging women towards the birth machine. Kind of scary even that in the year 2100, so 80 years from now, the population of China is predicted to be 
around 700 million people. I mean, this is nearly half of what we have today. Yeah, if you are going down this road, it is. But then that's why the government is turning it around. You remember in 1950s, Mao Zedong actually forced women to have more children. You couldn't get condom, you couldn't get contraceptive measures, and you couldn't get abortion without approval. Then it's very easy. There was no alternative to than, than giving birth to children. I mean, in the 1950s, 1960s. But now the competition between becoming a mom or a two-time mom, a three-time mom, there is competition with, with opportunities in, in business for women, in education and stuff. So to convince women now nowadays is, well, I, I don't... I don't expect that to be successful. No, you don't. In 1950s, women were not convinced. Women were forced. All right, but do you expect the, the government Chinese could, government to do that government today? Government could do that forcing? too. I mean, there are many ways to force them. For example, wow. not giving you a job, so your only way is to marry a guy to get decent income. And then there are uh, there are other measures. For example, like right now, it's very difficult to get fetus aborted. Very often you were demanded to have your male partner's agreement. But, but, but Li Wen, do you, do you really think that the Chinese society nowadays would accept that? I mean, even the men were highly affected by that, right? I mean, this is... Like observing online, uh, also people who, whom I know, Chinese men want women to go back home so they are easier to be controlled. The men are facing a crisis because they are raised in a family where they worship boys. In work and in school, they are losing the competition to women. This huge contrast, their psychology is being kind of affected. So there are lots of incel movement in China right now. And there are lots of random violence against women. It's so brutal. Every day there are news of femicide. For example, one woman wants to break up with the boyfriend, and the boyfriend would kill the whole family of the girlfriend, or kill the wives on the way to divorce. But are they are they are they severely punished these kind of crimes or? No, that's the thing. When a woman kill a man, they are severely punished. But when a man kill a woman, they are lightly punished. Internal affair. Internal affair. Yes. And that is what makes us so angry. And that is why there is this feminist movement that the government have to crack down at the moment because they see that Chinese women are learning from the Korean feminist movement that they promote 6B4T. I mean, it's basically meaning not to even deal with men, not to even have sex with men. Because there's so much incel culture in East Asian societies. This is something that we rarely talk about in the West how severe the incel culture is there. That's why the young women don't even want to deal with men anymore, those who have a self-esteem. Even those who are highly educated in China, the misogyny is very high. So do you have a, do, do, do you have a future scenario? Ever since two months ago, government started to tackle feminist KOLs from social media. And it's getting worse and worse. So what I foresee, first of all, the feminists nowadays who are outspoken will be dealt with by the Weiwen forces, which is the machine, keeping the stability. Alongside, women get more and more sidelined from their jobs. And there will be probably some encouragement from the government side. For example, now they pay a little bit of money, like 20,000 yuan, for single mother in Shanghai. There will be probably a bit of kindergarten in the future. And then it will be more and more difficult for women to have abortion. 
this is definitely going there. We already see some signs in different cities but and come towns. On. We're, we're still in China. Villages. And if we're talking about getting a... Uh, fi finding a way to finding a way to to find out about your not women your, your gender of your baby you find a way to abort your your child right you are thinking about gender selection that's a different thing now if the government want to take it seriously nobody can have abortion that would solve the problem you know that china has recently issued a law starting from this year called cooling down period People who want to divorce need a so-called cooling down period. That is actually just uh, one of the measures to reduce the divorce rate because China's divorce rate has been steadily rising. And now you cannot divorce. That, that government have a lot of way to do that. And the, the whole society still see women as accessory of men, even though they're actually working very hard. And they are a main contributor to the economy. But when it comes to demographic changes for the economy in the future to rely on this cheap labor model, then the whole society would work together to bring women there. Yeah, at the end, it always comes down to economy in China and it comes down to economy because it comes all down to the power sustainability of the Communist Party. This is what it's all about, right? So every, every policy they actually take is uh, it's just focused on keeping themselves into power and... Uh, Well, it looks like um, women will be targeted then in this in this scenario because they are apparently, although they are getting less and less, becoming a bigger threat to to the power monopoly as long as less as long as they don't give birth or enough birth to to more children. That's that's a really that's a really tricky situation, and uh, it's a very important issue. Also, when we talk about economy, we think about men going into the work. It's not the case. I mean, women is a major contribution to the economy, not only in their jobs, but also in reproducing labor force. And that is the main crisis that has been overlooked, how Chinese women want the future to be. So good that we talked about it today. It was really fun talking. It was a really interesting subject. Um, and we will come up with something new uh, in a few weeks. Thank you for today. Thank you. It was fun talking to you, Liwen, and uh, have a good one. See you, you later. Too. See you. Bye-bye. with chopsticks the truth about dictatorships a podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chanan